thinking about probably one of the most basic verses that everyone here probably has memorized. Think about it, John 3.16. Just real simple truth that God loves you. You can have a relationship with God, and that's huge. And that's the biggest thing that we as real life are. And that's what we've been talking about, what makes us who we are as a church. And that's the most important thing is that people would know Jesus that they know what true life is. They know what real life is. That's what it's all about. It's all about Christ. That's the most basic understanding. And what I want to do today, though, is to kind of continue a little bit more with that good news to begin with. In 1 Thessalonians, if you guys want to turn there, we're going to be in chapter 4, beginning at verse 13 to the end of the book. That's a big, long scripture today we're going to, we're going to hash through together. We're going to continue the good news because as, as we look at 1 Thessalonians, what's really cool about this book is it talks, talks about the end, if you will, okay? What's, what's really good news is, of course, knowing Christ, but knowing this is that, that what we see and what we experience now is not all that there is. You know, the, the great question, what happens when you die, if you will, you know, is answered. There is no fear of death when you know that essentially because of Jesus that there is no death, that life continues and it continues with him. And so we're going to look at 1 Thessalonians 4. I do have it on the screen today, but I encourage you as always, bring that Bible or pull out your phone just so you have it in front of you. There's something about touching it, something about holding it, something about looking at it, marking it, highlighting it, circling it, okay? And so, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, we look at verse 13. And Paul is writing, he says, But we don't want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep, that you may not grieve as others do who, who have no hope. We don't want you to not know what's going on when people die. Okay, that's what the asleep term is meaning. When people are dead, we don't want you to be like everyone else who, who's who's just kind of lost. Now what? You know, what, what do we do? What, what's, what's the deal here? We don't want you to grieve as those who have no hope, because you do have hope. And here's why, right? It says, for, for since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. He reminds us of Christ. He reminds us of, of what we celebrate every Easter and what we should be celebrating not just on Easter but every day is that Jesus is alive. Yes, he died on the cross for our sins, but what happened on the third day? He rose from the grave. It shows victory over death. The very, the very worst thing that could happen to you, right, you think, is that you would die. But because of Jesus, death is wiped away. It's no more. So what is there to really worry about anymore, right? Do you ever consider that? And so, I don't want you to grieve, he says, as those who don't have hope, because we believe that Jesus died and rose again. Even so, through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. For this we declare to you by a word from the Lord, that we who are alive, who are left, until the coming of the Lord will not precede those who have fallen asleep. Now, first of all, here's some great news is that Jesus is coming back. Now, we experience God on, on, the, on kind of a mysterious level with, with what we call the Holy Spirit, which is God, 
in some mysterious way living within Christians. We walk with God. We experience God. And it's really, I'd love to just, just detail it and explain every aspect of it. I just can't. The Bible isn't that super specific, but I know that God is with those who are Christians. His Holy Spirit indwells us. And the interesting thing about that is we can, we've talked about this. We can choose to cooperate with God as he speaks to us through his Holy Spirit or not. Meaning that we live according to the way that he's calling us to or not. Meaning that we can access the power of God, it says. The same power that rose Jesus from the dead, it says, is available to us. That's mind-blowing. If we're willing to cooperate with God, to heed his voice, to, to follow him. But the good news is that Jesus, in the physical form, in flesh, is coming back one day. When everything that's still messed up, everything that's still out of place, is going to be put back together. And even better than before. Even the world that we see now is not how it was originally. Can you, can you imagine just a complete reset of, of all of creation? The heavens, the earth, and as the Bible teaches, and I don't want to get too overly theological, but with brand new bodies... Some of us are like, yes, give me the new body, right? I know Eric is feeling that way. I think he's back with the kids, even with a messed up, sore back this morning. Diane hasn't been feeling well. Be praying for her. I know there's many of us who probably haven't said anything about it. You're like, yes, give me that body, right? And so good news, he is, he is coming back. And it says this, for we declare to you by word from the Lord that we who are alive and are left until the coming of the Lord, we're still breathing. We're not going to precede those who have already fallen asleep. The dead folks, right, who know Jesus. It says, For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with the cry of command and with the voice of an archangel and with the sound of the trumpet of God. And it says, And the dead in Christ will rise first. So those that are believers that know Jesus and that, are, that have passed away, they're going to be the first ones, it says, they will be risen from the dead, just like Jesus was, and will meet the Lord in the air before us. So if you die first, that's the benefit, I guess, right? You know, one of them. <laughs> meet him in the air. Then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet with the Lord in the air. And so we will always be with the Lord. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. They, they needed that encouragement, the Thessalonians. They needed that hope because at this time, the church was undergoing all kinds of intense persecution. They were going through difficult times. Fear has to be dealt with, doesn't it? You have to be reminded of who's really in control. You have to be reminded of who's really on the throne. You have to be reminded of who Jesus really is. Preaching is not hearing anything new, by the way. All I am is a great reminder. That's, that's what God's called me to do, is just simply remind you of what's in here. If you ever hear something new on Sunday morning, you better get rid of me. Maybe it's new because you haven't read it in here, okay? But you know what I'm saying? If it's not in Scripture, there's an issue. There's a, there's a problem. Preaching is about being reminded of who God is, what He's done, and what He's what he's there for, because we forget all the time. That's what Israel did in the Old Testament. They, they continued to forget about the power of God. 
There was a time of fear I'm just reminded of this morning where, they're, where they're, they're, they finally get out of Egypt and they're so excited that they've been set free, right? You have that moment where you're on the mountaintop where God has come through. They've been suffering for, I think it was 300 years. I probably have that number wrong, but for a long time. And they at, they're at this moment, they get out, and then they find themselves stuck in between Pharaoh's army, who had a change of heart to come after them, and, and the ocean or the Red Sea. And where they're stuck in that squeeze play moment, now what? They forgot right after they had seen miracle after miracle, right? All that God had done, bringing all these crazy plagues, one of my favorites being that, that God literally caused all of, Israel, or all of Egypt to, to be dark. It says darkness that could be felt except for one place. Who remembers where? Come on, you scholars. Goshen. Who lived in Goshen? The Israelites lived in Goshen. Goshen was the only place in Egypt that was lit up. And again, and I've said this before, I would love to have seen that perspective from where the astronauts go. Looking down, crazy darkness over Egypt, and then... You know, I guess a beam of light over Goshen. They forgot. You've already forgotten about Goshen. I've preached on this three or four times. You've already forgotten. You're, you're making my point for me. We forget all the time the truth of God. We need to be encouraged. We need to be reminded, even to the point of death. Hey, you know what? You're going to die one day, but you know what? Not for long. You will be risen from the grave, you will live forever. You'll be with, the God. We'll be with God. Even now, believers that, that uh, have passed away are in the presence of God. The Bible says to be absent from the body. I believe it's in Hebrews. It says to be present with God. But they will be reuniting with that old body to be transformed into some crazy new body to be with God forever. And I know I'm just getting probably too detailed here. But it's hope, isn't it? It's this great reminder that, that God, that even in death, that he is there with us. He will always be with us. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. But you know what? I can say this to all of you. You're not dead yet. Do you realize this? Turn to your neighbor and say, I almost want to say it in the Monty Python kind of thing. I'm not dead yet. You know? You're not. Some, of you, some days you feel like you wish you were, but you're not. And because you're not, there's things left to be done. You have hope. You have the, the truth of Christ, and that good news needs to be shared with others who don't have that hope. And in the process of living on this earth until the Lord comes, he's, he's given us some things to do. That's the most important thing, but he's, he's also called us to live a certain way. Because the good news is, is that we don't have to wait until the Lord comes back to experience love and, and joy and peace and transformation. He's actually called the church to be making a difference now. If it was all about well, what's a, what's a great news about being a Christian? Well, I get to go to heaven when I die. If that's all there is to it, it's not very compelling to the world. 
What's going to happen now? What about sex trafficking and these girls that are going with this issue? And what about all these problems over here and over there? What's God doing about it? He's called the church to be change agents. Now let me, let me read through this here. We're going to move quickly. In 1 Thessalonians 5 now, we find ourselves in verse 1. It says, Now concerning the times and the seasons, brothers, you have no need to have anything written to you. For you yourselves are fully aware that the day of the Lord, which is what we were talking about, will come like a thief in the night. It's going to come unsuspecting. We're not going to know when the Lord comes. At least exactly. It says, while people are saying there is peace and security, it says, then sudden destruction will come upon them as labor pains come upon a pregnant woman, and they will not escape. But he says, but you are not in darkness, brothers, for that day to surprise you like a thief, for you are all children of light, children of the day. We are not of the night or of the darkness, so then let us not sleep as others do, but let us keep awake and be sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk are drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober, having put on the breastplate of faith and love, and for a helmet, the hope of salvation. For God has not destined us for wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ who died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep we might live with him therefore encourage one another here we go again encourage one another and build one another up just as you're doing continue to encourage one another continue to be there for each other but you know what he's also saying this realize who you are know who you are in Christ and and wake up the rest of the world around us walks in darkness. The rest of the world around us is, is half asleep. Or they're, they're, they're having to, to do things like drunkenness just to, to get through. They don't know life and hope and peace in Christ. But you, you're different. You're children of light. You're the people who, who've lived in Goshen, who know what it's like for the, for the light of God to literally shine upon you while the rest of Egypt, if you will, is in darkness. And it says in Egypt, that darkness that can be felt. And you know what I'm talking about. You ever felt that? It's just a, it's a depression, it's a darkness, it's an evil at times. It almost feels like you, you, you can feel it. A darkness that can be felt. But you're not those people that walk in darkness. You're people who walk in light. Live as, as those that walk in light. Let's continue on. And so we, we make it to verse 12 in chapter 5. It says, We ask you, brothers, to, to respect those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you and esteem them very highly in love because of their work. Be at peace among yourselves. And we urge you, brothers, admonish the idle. What's idleness? It's a word we don't really use very often, right? So those who aren't doing anything, who are sitting still. Encourage the faint-hearted. Help the weak. Be patient with them all. See that no one repays anyone evil for evil, but always seek to do good to one another and to everyone. 
Now, from this point on, I want you to kind of stop and I want you to consider these things. We're going to, this is the typical preacher thing, right? Preachers almost always have three points. I don't know why it's three. I guess because of the Trinity. That's the way you're supposed to write sermons. I don't know. It works. It's helpful. But we're going to give you three things from this point in Scripture that's really cool. Three do's, if you will, and three don'ts. Okay? You got, are you with me? Are you ready for the three do's? These are some really cool things to hold on to. Number one is this. Rejoice always. And if you're just starting your scripture memorization, here's a great place to start. Right? 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 16 says what? Rejoice always. Congratulations. You probably have more of a challenge remembering where it was. 1 Thessalonians Rejoice always is number one. That's a sermon, that's a series, right? We've had to be reminded, you know, maybe, I don't know what you've come in with or what kind of struggles or things you're dealing with right now, but the number one thing is to rejoice always. And Paul is telling it to the Thessalonians who are worried about things that literally could be causing death. We don't worry about that on a daily basis, not unless we have a sickness that's taken us to that point. We don't regularly worry, at least I don't think you do, about death. And, and, and here Paul is telling them to rejoice always in the middle of that. I don't know what you're facing today, what you're dealing with, what's on your plate, but, but God says this, to rejoice always. Let's, we're going to come back to that in a quick second, but the end of this little three things here, it says, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. The end of verse 18. This is God's will. This isn't Paul's idea. God's will for you is to, number one, here's of our dues, rejoice always. That's not as easy as it sounds, right? It sounds really good intellectually. But we were, you know, we were talking about the game the other day, right? And that's really petty compared to some other huge issues of life, right? But, you know, man, this got torn apart by Georgia. Rejoice always, okay? <laughs> Rejoice always. It's amazing how sports can send us into a depression. They're like, this year is going to be different. No, it's not. <laughs> Rejoice always. How do you do that when times are tough? The whole aspect of rejoicing always is that the only way that you can rejoice, the only source of joy is God to begin with. And to rejoice always, to keep that in your head, means that you're going to have to go to the source of joy. Rejoy. We need some to get rejoyed up many times, don't we? And that only comes from one place. We need that reminder. He says, so rejoice always. Here's number two of the do's, is to pray without ceasing. It means when you pray, you don't pray and then give up. You don't pray, and while he hasn't answered, I, I'm done. You don't pray for a little while, pray for a couple of weeks, and then stop. You pray, and you pray, and you pray because it's like breathing. It's, it's talking to God is what prayer is, isn't it? And it's also hearing from God. And we're not very good at prayer sometimes. Because prayer is, it involves a lot of faith. Did he hear me? Is he going to answer me? 
You know, there's, you know when, you, when you read Scripture, you can check off a box, right? I read my passage for the day. I had my devotional check. You feel the sense of accomplishment. Whether you've taken it in your heart or mind or not, you've read something, right? You've taken some knowledge in your head. When you pray, sometimes you wonder, well, how's God going to answer this? Did he hear me? What's going to happen? What's going to go on? Sometimes you feel like you're talking to the air. But God is there. He does hear, he does listen, he does answer, he does respond. But we have to have the mentality when it comes to prayer that we pray without ceasing, that it never stops, that it's like breathing. You can't, you know, you can take a breath, and now you're all conscious of it, you probably hear yourself. How long can you wait until you take another breath? It's not for very long. This isn't a challenge, by the way, so I don't want anybody to turn blue and pass out. But pray without ceasing. This is, as it says later on, this is God's will for you. Rejoice and pray. Rejoice and pray. You want to know how to continue to hold on to that hope, to be reminded, rejoice and pray. And then the other one is natural, flows right into it. It says also this, give thanks. Give thanks. Rejoice, pray, and give thanks. What am I leaving out? <laughs> In all circumstances. Reminds us of the book of James. It says the same thing, right? You know, consider it joy, my brothers, when you face trials of many kinds knowing that those trials are going to allow you to endure, to be stronger. Give thanks in every situation. If you take this seriously, then you really have to think. Why do I need to give thanks in this? And you know what it is already. There's something that comes up, you know. Because we need to be reminded of, of thanksgiving. We need to understand and be reminded of, of perspective, right? What is it that we can be thankful for? Again, you're not dead yet. You're not. And even if you were, that's the thing. He takes away all fear, doesn't he? God takes away every concern, every fear, because if he's in control, which he always is, there is nothing to worry about. Nothing. And we remember that when we get back to that. It's easy, once again, to say rejoice in everything. Pray about everything. Give thanks in all circumstances. Those three things. Can you do those three things? Can you do them consistently? You know? I have to remind you again next Sunday. No. But it, it's difficult. But he says, this, it says, give thanks in all circumstances, all these things, for this is the will in Christ Jesus for you. Now, here's the, the things not to do. As we go to number one of the things not to do is do not quench the Spirit. Do not quench the Spirit. Quench is not a word that we always use unless it's a Mountain Dew commercial or we're talking about quenching our thirst, right? But to, to quench something is, you know, a picture uh, some, the way some people put out a candle. You ever get those candles from like Yankee Candle? Go Yankees. Not the baseball team, sorry, but I'm just looking at some of my northern friends here. If you have a Yankee Candle and it's lit, you can blow it out. That would be a quench. But 
To quench it means if you, I think in my, what I envision is putting the lid on it. You kind of slowly see that flame just die, don't you? Don't quench the Spirit. Remember earlier I said that the Holy Spirit who indwells us, we have the opportunity to participate with the Spirit of God or not. It's not this kind of thing, you've heard people say that, you probably say this before, that, that God's a gentleman, right? He doesn't force anything on you. Because that's, and that's how the Spirit of God is within us. And he says, don't quench the Spirit. In other words, when the Holy Spirit speaks to you and says that you should do something, there's two options you have. Number one is to say, okay, and to do it. And the other is to quench it. We do this a lot, unfortunately. We quench the Spirit. God says to do this or to not do something, and we ignore it. To ignore it is to quench it. It's to not participate with the Spirit of God. We don't ever want to quench the Holy Spirit because we know that God knows what's best, don't we? We know it intellectually. We don't always want to participate which is how we get in trouble. We, we, it leads to sin, but also leads to missed opportunities of what God wants to do. So, so do these things. Rejoice, pray, give thanks. Don't do this. Don't quench the Spirit. There's another passage in there that says, don't grieve the Holy Spirit of God. When you quench the Spirit, you actually cause grief to God. You know what I'm saying? Parents don't understand this at all, right? They tell their kids to do something and they ignore them. Do you rejoice in that or are you grieved by that? I told you over and over and over, don't do that. And because you did, ugh. I didn't want you to make the same mistakes I did. Oh. Don't quench the Spirit of God. Don't grieve the Spirit of God. Number two is don't despise prophecies. <clears throat> That's interesting. Don't despise prophecies. Now, we're, we're not particularly a charismatic church, if you know what that word means. Um, in, in the sense of understanding what a charismatic church is like. But in some charismatic churches, you'll hear people kind of come to you and say, Edie, I have a word from God for you. And he says that you should date that guy over there named Billy. And she's already laughing like, what are you talking about? <laughs> what? But, and, and, and there are times that that is God's, and that's a silly example, times that God is speaking, and there are times that, that's probably not God speaking. That was definitely not God speaking there. Do you even know a guy named Billy? Probably in your past. Well, go find a guy named Billy. See, it already starts to get silly. But the point is, is it says don't despise prophecies. But prophecies are not just like that. Prophecy literally means to foretell the truth of God. Pastors are considered prophets or considered prophetic because they're telling the truth of God. Don't despise prophecies. There, you know what I mean? There are some times that you're ready to listen and to take in truth, but there are some times where it doesn't matter who it is, you don't want to hear it. 
You, you, you land and you flip in the radio station, you hear some preacher on the radio, you, you don't want to hear it. You kind of get to a point where it literally could be you despise it. Don't, not right now. You ever been there? I don't need you to shake your head because I know you have. We've all been there. We just don't want to hear it. We don't care if it's true or not. Not now. The problem with that, of course, as in quenching the spirit, is you're not taking in the truth. So, yeah, Lance, thanks for reminding me. Oh, great reminder. But not right now. You kind of despise it. Don't want to hear it. And if you do that once or twice, that's one thing. And then it leads, though, to, to kind of withdrawing from those that are believers, that are, that are truth-tellers. It's not just me, all of you. The Bible says we're a priesthood of believers. We share truth with each other because we love each other. We don't want to hear the truth sometimes, and it just pulls us and pulls us further and further away from each other and, most importantly, away from God. Don't quench the Spirit. And don't despise prophetic utterances. Don't despise prophecies. But it does say this. It says, but test everything. I like that. Test everything. You know, and you're like, Billy, really? No, that's easy test. You know, well, this preacher says this. Well, what does the Bible say? And I encourage you with everything that I say as well. Just because it's said from the pulpit, I'm, I'm not infallible. God is, but there's some things I'm sure I've said that have been wrong. But your responsibility as a believer in Christ with listening to me, listening to someone on the TV, the radio, any other church, is to test things. Not so that you despise it, but so you, you confirm as well within your heart and spirit that you know it's true. You know it's right. And therein you make a change or an addition, whatever it is in your life. So don't quench the spirit, don't despise prophecies, but test everything. But then it says this, right after that, hold fast what is good. When you know it, when you've tested it, if Billy is for you, you hold on to it. You do something about it. So again, rejoice, pray, give thanks, but don't quench, don't despise. And then it says this, abstain from every form of evil. Evil takes a lot of shapes, doesn't it? Every form. Sometimes you don't always recognize it. Abstain from every form of evil. So there's your three things, okay? Get these in your head. What's number one? Rejoice always. What's number two? What's that? Pray without ceasing. So rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. What's number three? Maybe it's three, So, because you can remember three things, can't you? Can you walk out of here and hold on to this today? Rejoice, pray, give thanks. You find yourself in a dark pit. You hit that moment, the squeeze play we talked about earlier. Pull out these three things. What are the three don'ts? Number one. Don't quench the Holy Spirit. What's number two? 
Don't despise prophecies. That's right. And number three, abstain from every form of evil. We're almost done. He wraps this up and he says, Now may the God of peace himself. I love this right there. Just the God of what? What's God like? Isn't it great? All right. Everyone has their own perspective of what they think God is like because of good or bad experiences in their life. A lot of people say that they, however your father is, is that can they, they think that's how God is. And, you know, we're psychologically sometimes messed up. We want to know who God is. We don't look at our past. We look at what the Bible says. God is what? He's a God of what? He's a God of peace. He's not a God of wrath. A lot of people that you try to tell the good news about Jesus too, that's what they think of is this, that God's up there ready to what? Throw down lightning bolts and, and burn people to a crisp and just looking for the opportunity to cast people into flames, right? But this says God is what? He's a God of peace. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. And may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. And it says, He who calls you is faithful, and He will surely do it. So we have the hope of Christ's return, but in the, in the meantime, as He's coming again, he's, he's called us to do some things. He's called us to, to rejoice. He's called us to pray. He's called us to give thanks. He's, he's called us to these kinds of things and the things not to do. But, because, but this God of peace is what he's wanting to do is to sanctify you completely. And that's a big spiritual theological term that means that to sanctify literally means to set apart. It's, it's, you've got some things that are sanctified in your house. They're They're special. They're kind of set apart from everything else. Maybe they're on a top shelf where the kids and the cats can't get to it, if there's ever an area that cats can't get to, by the way. You know, it's set apart. But what he's doing, sanctification, this aspect of setting you apart, is that, is that God is he's molding you. He's shaping you to be special and set apart. He's shaping you and molding you to be like himself. God is the one who's working in you to cause these things to happen, right? To allow you to rejoice, allow you to really pray, allow you to really give thanks, allow you to get to the point where you're not quenching the Spirit, where you're really taking in the truth of God and, and being changed. The good news is, is that God's the one that does it. He's the one that's molding you and shaping you by, again, that Holy Spirit that we were talking about earlier. And it says he'll do it. The real question is, do you want him to? I would say by virtue of the fact that you're here, that you want him to. People don't come to church these days unless they want God to, to do something in their lives. And I, I desperately want God to do something in my life, to continue to mold me and to shape me I really want to be one of those guys that, that is, I rejoice always. And, you know, you might be in a situation where you really need to practice that. We, we always are. 
but maybe you're in a you're in a place today i don't know that you really need to practice that that rejoicing that praying that giving thanks would you stand with me this morning the good the good news of jesus is not just for when you die it's for right now but the god of peace will give you peace the god of peace will transform your lives because of the power of god himself can we pray lord jesus we we thank you for that good news lord help us to remember those those three things to do and three things not to do. Lord, I know that if we will do those things, that you'll continue to to mold us, to shape us, or that we can be more like you. And Lord, we will understand real peace, real joy, what it means to truly love one another. Lord, I pray today that... um, that we just renew our commitment to you, Lord, to follow after you. Lord, we we thank you for your love and for your grace this morning. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.